I think oftentimes media and journalism can get very distracted and sometimes a little bit like freaked out by the new technology that's in the market. For example, ChatGPT, which obviously is, you know, the sort of topic du jour. Everyone is like, okay, you know, is this going to eliminate journalists? Like, no, it's not going to eliminate journalists, but we might need to work in a different way. We might need to approach it in a different way. This is The Talent Show, a new podcast series from FT Talent, a hub of innovation from the Financial Times. It's hosted by under-30s for the under-30s around the world. This second series is about all the aspects the FT organization is covering today, from editorial to development, from data to talent. I am Virginia Stagni, and this is a guide we designed to inspire you to be the one driving innovation and change. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Italian Show. And uh, today we are exploring with this second series all the different aspects of journalism and financial times, all the different departments. And as you know, FT Talent is part of a business development unit at the Financial Times. And it's a great pleasure to have here at our mics and cameras, Caitlin Clark. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? Hi, Virginia. It's great to be here. Caitlin is uh, uh, the Business Development Commercial Development Director at the Financial Times. She's working globally across uh, uh, all the different regions of the FT with business development in mind. So the first question for you, Caitlin, is just walk us through your journey and um, how you end up at the Financial Times. You are an American uh, living in London now, and uh, maybe you want to share a bit of uh, you know, your journey with our listeners um, at the Talent Show. Sure. Happy to do that. Um, it's great to be here. So, gosh, I started off studying English literature in university. I went to school in New York. Um, and so I think, you know, my kind of career in media and journalism really started from a, a passion around content, content development, content creation, reading content. Um, I chose to study English literature because it allowed me to basically read novels for four years, which was ideal. Somehow managed to get an internship when I finished uh, university at The New York Times in Paris actually. The internship itself was actually on the commercial side of journalism, um, which frankly I didn't know very much about at the time. Um, but uh, it was a way to start uh, understanding media better, understanding journalism more. Um, and so the internship was on basically doing syndication and licensing of New York Times content to other European publications. So basically selling articles that the New York Times published to the likes of La Repubblica and El País and Les Echos in all these different uh, European countries. So it was a really interesting time to actually start working in media because it was right in the middle of the transition from print to digital. Um, it was kind of the very beginning of that. Everybody was trying to figure out how to monetize digital. It was a very anxious time for media, a very anxious time for journalism. People were testing a lot of things. So I got a really kind of really a front row seat to what that transition meant for these big publishers um, and how they were handling it. And a big part of my job, of course, it was sales, but it was really to go around to all these different publications and talk to them about what their challenges were. So I learned a ton during, during that period. Um, so I interned with the New York Times for a bit um, and then actually worked for them in Singapore for a little while and then came back and got a permanent role in the, in the Paris office. And that was really the kind of the beginning of my career on the commercial side of journalism. Um, and from the New York Times, I took a similar role in partnerships and business development at Bloomberg, which is what brought me to London. Um, and then I did a couple of years at Bloomberg, which I enjoyed, um, but I really wanted to have a different type of experience 
experience. I'd worked for these two big corporates and I really wanted to work for a smaller company and to kind of really be able to have my hands over the product. Um, so I left Bloomberg and I worked for two different startups, Trint and Harkin. Um, in senior commercial roles. And in those two startups, basically, I was tasked with building a new business. Um, and in both of them, they were selling into media companies. So they were basically our clients were newsrooms. Um, so I was really responsible for helping to shape the product that each of them was selling and kind of convince newsrooms and journalists to buy them. Basically on the other side. Exactly. So I basically took the other side. And what it did is it allowed me to really, I think, develop a fluency across all the different types of departments and languages that one has to speak within when you're working in journalism, particularly on the commercial side, because you sort of have to speak editorial. You need to speak commercial. You need to speak product. So that was a huge learning experience those three years, uh, three and a half, four years, really, at these these two different startups. Um, and after that, I came to the FT. And um, it was right when COVID started. Um, it was really kind of the beginning of that whole madness. Uh, and I started off in a role heading up growth across our topic verticals. So that's things like climate, tech, ESG, um, and developing an internal go-to-market strategy across all our respective departments around that content, and then also being really the bridge between editorial and commercial. And then after that was the business development director role, which is what I'm doing now. And if you, um, as many of our listeners are um, young, uh, thriving individuals uh, looking for career tips, but as well, like, you know, how to adapt to such a change, what would be your uh, best advice to them? Maybe, you know, like coming from, I want to be a startup or I want to be an innovator, but then I find myself um, with a very good opportunity to enter in the corporate world. What would be your best advice for someone that needs to do that step? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, this would maybe apply to both types of people, but I think one piece of advice that was given to me that I still use is, and I think I, I said this a little bit, but but just to really call it out, is to make sure that you are being really intentional and aware of environments that give you energy, environments that don't give you energy. So I think if, you know, if you're somebody who is coming into a corporate environment for the first time, I think those environments can also feel quite daunting. I think they can feel quite big. Um, and so I would say, you know, being really cognizant, again, of your energies um, would be a first point, a sort of first piece of advice. And then I think the second piece of advice would be, you know, to not be afraid to really reach up into the organization um, and learn from people. Um, so, you know, Bigger organizations tend to be much more hierarchical, so it can, I think, sometimes feel intimidating to go and speak to somebody who maybe is more senior than you or appears to be more senior than you and either ask for advice or tell them what you think. And, you know, I think that's one of the really unfortunate things about hierarchies and that big companies and that they inherently create those types of structures and barriers. And I think if you can be someone who is, you know, just giving yourself a goal maybe of like every month having a coffee with someone who's either not in your department and is on paper more senior than you and asking them questions and learning from them, you'll learn a lot and they'll also learn a lot from you. So, Caitlin, what does it mean building and uh, uh, making thrive business or commercial development in a newspaper? And how did you go with the, the task of being a director of this uh, uh, kind of a, like pre-existing but also new unit? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think business development is something which it's an incredibly vague term. It's a, it can be a catch-all for all kinds of things. So there is certainly, um, when I took the role as business development, I think there was a certain amount of thinking that I needed to do around what I wanted that to mean for myself, what I wanted that to mean for the team, and what I wanted that to mean for the business. Um, and I think that really, those three things will depend depending on the role and the company and the, and the, and the place you're in as a, as a professional. Um, but so for me, in this context, I mean, I think a lot of the roots of, I think, what I wanted this team to represent and to do across the business were already there. And it was really more about kind of codifying and then defining them. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the kind of areas where I really wanted the team to thrive and to the, the where I wanted us to add value was really first in that space of being the, the team that has an eye on the external market. Um, Big corporates and especially places like the FT, I think, can be quite internal. Um, we're not always essentially, you know, looking out. And as particularly at the time that I joined this business, it was COVID. And so it was even more internal. You know, none of us were getting out to conferences, talking to our network as much. Um, and so I really want this team to be the part of the business that is looking out to the media landscape and being able to inform the FT on areas of opportunity and challenges. Um, so we talk a lot as a team about what's going on in market. Um, and I think that we're still developing ways and, um, you know, sort of methods to be able to translate that expertise to the business. But that that is a really important sort of pillar for me for, for the business development team. The second is really around growth. Um, and that growth kind of has two different facets to it. So first of all, growth across formats and products that we believe have both an audience and a revenue opportunity for the FT. So as you know, you're part of the team. We look at things like audio and video, our topic verticals, FT talent. Um, and these are areas that I think we all believe represent really big growth opportunities for the FT, but don't necessarily have dedicated teams focused on them because they're dispersed across the business, both departmentally and then also between editorial and commercial. So growth when it comes to existing things that are already at the FT, but for which we can derive additional value, and then growth for net new things, so like FT talent, so new businesses, essentially, that we can create and incubate within our team and essentially show to the business that they have value and then essentially request further investment. So we've got kind of you know external market expertise, growth across new and existing things. And then the final one is um kind of really us being the glue between the multiple, all these different silos across the FT. You know, we're one of the only teams within the business that has kind of an objective remit um, where we're really looking at not just, okay, how FT talent can be right for CRG, for their, for our consumer business, for our B2B business, but how can FT talent be right for the full business? Um, and what are the opportunities that we can leverage across all those different things? So that kind of neutrality is really central to me, for me, and at least for the success of this team um, and what it represents in the business. I think that's that's so interesting because um, I guess that you are looking for very diverse talent to join this kind of team, meaning from different backgrounds with uh, a new eye on uh, um, traditional businesses, traditional things, as well as incubating the next new ideas that can make, you know, either revenues, but as well, you know, like um, some changes within the organization. So, um most of the time in um, in our surveys, we received a lot of uh, very good feedback on uh, uh, job opportunities at FT and uh, definitely one of the departments where many of the challengers and listeners would love to uh, work in is business development. So my question to you is, uh, you're in your 20s, you're at uni and uh, you see BizDev as a great uh, career opportunity where to start your journey in the corporate world. 
what uh, are you looking in the talents that comes across uh, as well as what are your tips for someone that wants to build a career in business development? Because business development is so diverse in terms of the types of skill sets that you, we can have in the team, you know, it's going to be less that I'm looking for someone who like, you know, can build a PNL or can write a business case. Like those types of skills can be learned. So it's a little bit more about the profile and the person. Um, and so I think certainly what I would be looking for is someone who can show that they can take an idea from infancy and bring it to life. Um, and so it's the level of entrepreneurship, of innovation, um, this feeling of curiosity and being expansive and looking outwards. Um, and so that type of energy, I think, is also something that is just so important to have within the team. Um, so those are the types of, kind of qualities I would be looking for. There is a subtle um, border between what you um, just described and what in other corporations we have as a strategy and strategic roles so the um, strategy division and so on. Um, I think what you're talking about is a lot around strategy. Um, what would be um, maybe your definition of that and uh, what has been uh, your learning out of like really at the same time, you know, rebuilding business development and thinking about business development outwards? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think most of the time when we think of kind of traditional strategy function that might be between, you know, a tech company or, or a, you know, a bank or something like that, you'll have a strategy function which is primarily comprised of people with a finance background. Um, so will people, people who can like analyze data, who can analyze numbers, who can put together, you know, financial forecasts and things like that. Um, and then sort of they're essentially the foundation around which and the data around which then the rest of the team or part of the team who are usually also comprised of consultants um, are thinking about what is the next three to five year or maybe sometimes longer horizon for a business. Um, and if there is a North Star of somewhere that we want to reach, how are you going to reach it? Um, and also, I think the key component of all strategy functions is, as I said, that, that um, essence of neutrality. So they're looking at all the different aspects of the business. So they don't have any type of objective or motivation or need for one P&L to perform better than another. They're just neutral. There's one number. So I think that sort of is the essence of what strategy means to me. Um, at this business, you know, we don't have that function. I think each kind of department have either strategic stakeholders. They certainly have that within the context of their MDs, et cetera. Um, but I think there's oftentimes that what is missing is that link of all these things together. And you can see that in the kind of the makeup of the business. So what I'm hoping for our business is to be able to start filling that gap. And we've hired someone new onto our team, uh, Beatrice, who's, who's filling that role for us right now. Um, and so the idea is to start kind of educating the FT on what that neutral strategy function can do and the value that it can add. I think that's so precious because at the end of the day, uh, when we talk about big organizations like the FT, especially a newspaper that is by nature sided because editorial needs to be a bit separate from a commercial function for all the ethical reasons we already explained with Michael Skapinka in our first episode of the, of the series. Um, it's interesting to have that common, common roles with that neutral eye that is more like maybe audience driven or... Um, product driven so your north star is more i take care of a particular audience in uh, and i want this um to be the center of attention for um interdepartmental collaborations and groups i have uh, a question for you a bit more on the leadership side um how do you go about making uh, used to be siloed 
communities within a big corporation so like BFT work together on one common goal when everyone has their day-to-day life, businesses, and above all, KPIs? I mean, I think that comes back to a couple of different things. First of all, I think it comes back from that original skill I talked about of fluency in many different types of languages. So, you know, a dynamite business development person can go into a meeting with a CPO and speak the language of product to them enough that they're credible. They don't need to know everything, but they need to be enough to be credible to be able to uh, make to communicate to that chief product officer why it's important that that person works with them on this thing or gets on side or whatever to be able to influence them. So when I think about business development, I think it's a lot less about leadership. It's about leadership to an extent, but it's really more about influence because most of the time business development departments are small. You don't have a lot of direct reports. You're not C-suite. So you're not sitting on top of people from a leadership standpoint in the sense that they kind of have to listen to you. They don't have to listen to you. So you need to be able to influence people by speaking their language. You need to be able to influence them by really understanding their motivations and their objectives and helping them dissect and essentially helping them succeed in those things, but doing it in a way that is going to help you achieve your objective as well. Um, And then I think ultimately what you also need to be able to do is you need to be able to see the breadth of a business problem or a business challenge and all the different assets and all the different, I think, you know, departments, P&Ls, et cetera, that make up that challenge and put them into a cohesive path, objective, strategies. So being able to ask those questions and then being able to present them in a way that is really positive towards the business and that is actually motivating people to get on side with you is 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 really key. So, yeah, I think a lot more about influence in business development rather than direct leadership, because most of the time from business development standpoint and also strategy, you're not leading, you are influencing. And that's much harder to do. Last question for you is about how you have seen BitDev and literally your mindset changing with the, the quick technological shifts that we have been seeing in the last few years. You talked about at the beginning of your career how interesting it was to see digital disruption and uh, how to make money, how to digital journalism, uh, part of you know a strategic change. Um, are there anything that makes um, you intrigued by new tech Is it AI, machine learning? Do you see any business opportunity? Or are you looking a bit more on the traditional side and like reinventing it? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I think I'm always looking at the new technology that's in the market and thinking about how it might disrupt ways of working. I think... I think when it comes to media and journalism, I think oftentimes media and journalism can get very distracted and sometimes a little bit like freaked out by the new technology that's in the market. Um, you know, for example, ChatGPT, which obviously is, you know, the sort of topic du jour. Everyone is like, okay, you know, is this going to eliminate journalists? It's like, no, it's not going to eliminate journalists, but we might need to work in a different way. We might need to approach it in a different way. And that's not just journalism and media that's having the conversation around that particular innovation as well. I mean, it's education. It's lots of things. Um So I guess, you know, for me, there's kind of there's two different ways to think about this. There's sort of operations and ways of working um, in which I think technology can be a huge boon for media and journalism. If it can be used in the right way, it can help us streamline our operations in the newsroom and also on the commercial side. It can help us make better decisions, et cetera. So there's sort of that bit. So I get excited about that stuff. But then I think really kind of the core of like what we're offering 
and the value that we bring, I don't think that really changes with all this technological innovation. You know, if we're bringing objective journalism to the world, which really, really needs it, um, I think that, you know, that value doesn't really change. For me, it's more how we work towards developing that journalism and then maybe a little bit uh, the platforms and places that our journalism is seen and consumed, um, because that's another thing I think that can change a lot and will change a lot. But as long as we have an eye on sort of those two things, a core product and our core value add, I think will stay pretty consistent. This is super interesting and a lot of tips for our listeners because it's, uh, you know, a bit of um, a zoom out view on innovations and how you can really, you know, um, think about technology as a tool to enhance a business rather than something that needs to be suddenly disrupted by technology. Like, you know, journalism, we had a lot of debate about like, uh, is journalism being the disrupted or the disruptor, how you can turn the disruptor, um, the disruptor mindset. And there, there are so many different books about it. Just check it out. Like Kristen says about the innovation dilemma. It's it's really talking about what Caitlin just said. So special part of our podcast is getting our challengers to ask you directly some questions. So please welcome here in the studio and uh, ask your questions. Sarah and Manas, thank you so much for joining us in our London studio. Manas, over to you. Tell us a bit about you, how you joined the FT Talent family. And uh, of course, ask your question to Kitchen. Of course. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. Um, a bit about myself. I'm Manas. Um, I'm 21, moved to the UK about two years ago. And um, I'm originally from Berlin, Germany. I think an interesting fact about me is that I actually had my own startup. Um, scaled it um, for to half a million users. Um, it was basically a fintech that wanted to foster financial inclusion, especially in Asia. Um, so it was also um, awarded the Google Make in Asia Award. Um, and how I got to FT um, Challenge as such was just, um, of course, the the connection to Bukoni and seeing, of course, the, the um, different kinds of um, perspectives um, that I wanted to gain through it. Um, I think my first question to you would be um, basically connecting to my own experiences that I've um, basically had with the startup and, of course, the various internships. Um, seeing that personally, um, digita digitization is taking over in the financial services sector. Do you believe that podcast journalism will actually become a new way for the um, next generation to consume news? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think podcast and audio journalism is a very, very natural sort of next step and um, evolution of the way that we consume content. Um, I think it suits people's lifestyles and it suits the way that people consume, your generation in particular, consume on the go in shorter bursts without sitting down with a paper, etc. Um, so the rise that we've seen with audio journalism in the past five years has been massive. I mean, really, really huge. And it's a primary revenue stream for most big news organizations. Um, so I think that audio journalism is only going to continue to grow. Um, and I think I'm hoping and I hope that news organizations see it as a really big um, asset to their portfolio. I know us at the FT, it's something we're investing in a lot. So definitely. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Tell us a bit about you. And of course, uh, over to you with your question. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Sarah. Uh, I participated in the Made in Italy uh, challenge, which was brilliant. Um, my background actually is in uh, finance and investment. So I studied uh, in Italy and Edinburgh College before um, and worked for a large asset manager. And then five years ago, I completely um, changed everything <laughs> and started my own business. Um, we 
uh, sell wine in China. Oh wow, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, so so yeah, so that that's that that's uh, pretty much my um, my professional career. Um, and I took some some notes about what you said, especially about taking notes of people who uh, give you energy and people who don't. Um, and on the top of energy and exciting things, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you see are the best growth opportunities for, for the FT and for yourself uh, personally? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the FT. <laughs> it's a little bit easier. Um, you know, I think the FT is is so uniquely positioned in the market. I mean, obviously, it's one of the most premium journalistic brands in the world. Um, and when you actually start reading about the state of journalism right now, you realize more and more how incredibly lucky the FT is um, to have the brand that it has, the audience that it has, um, the business models that are working that it has. Uh, you know, the FT is incredibly privileged. Um, so I think beyond sort of growth around what we already do, which obviously is an opportunity that we're always working on, um, you know, I really think I see the FT having a competitive advantage in a couple of areas. So first of all, I think definitely in financial education um, and professional development. So that kind of space as an, a, way, a, way, a place that the FT can access that audience and engage that audience, but particularly develop new products and services that fill that space, I think is really, really interesting and important. So if we think about the FT and our journalistic essentially offering and our business model as kind of the sun, and then we think about new revenue streams, new products and new businesses that can kind of rotate around that sun, pulling from that expertise, pulling from our brand value, pulling from the audience that we already have access to, education around finances, professional development, how to develop your career, I think are two really natural spaces for us to fill when it comes to those new products and services. So I get really excited about that idea, about the idea of developing new businesses. That's certainly a growth opportunity that I think I feel like I would want to invest in. Um, and then I think probably the second one is... I think just continuing to develop innovative formats for the existing content that we have. Um, so this would sit a little bit more in our core business. But, um, you know, as we, we were speaking about, I think that the way that people gonna, is going, are going to consume content and particularly that younger audience are going to consume content over the next 10 years is going to totally transform. So it might not be that we're reading on our phones anymore. It might not be that we're reading on our laptops anymore. It might be that we are accessing that content in completely different ways. And so I think the FT as a really premium journalistic brand has an opportunity to be at the forefront of that and to be really experimenting with those different content formats in a way that a lot of other organizations either don't have the budget for have to have the bandwidth to have to do. Um, and so I think it's just, it's an exciting time. Cool. Interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you, Manas and Sarah, for being with us. And of course, thank you to you, Caitlin, for really sharing all your experience and uh, ideas and wisdom around business development and beyond. Thank Thanks, you Caitlin. So much. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Really fun. Thanks a lot, Virginia. Thank you. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Tune in for the next episode. As you know, FT Talent Show coming out every single Monday. Check it out, all the new products as well the FT is pushing. I always say check out the FT Edit 80 stories per day. It's a great opportunity to have a taste of our journalism. And of course, if you have a B2B access subscription as a university student, do use it. Just look at the FT License Finder and you can check out if you have a free access to the Financial Times and start being pink from now on. Bye, guys, and check the next episode.
This has been the Talent Show, which is produced by the FT Talent Team, Aya Al-Shihabi, and me, Virginia Stagni. Our podcast producer, editor, and sound engineer is Arturo Ochoa, and our social media producer is Letizia Clementi. Our music is by Dennis Kishuk. Check out all of the Talent Show episodes at fttalent.ft.com, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and follow FT Talent on socials for updates. Until next time, and keep listening. Thank you.